You are in Garesmith Manor. It is 3.58 p.m. on Freydas the 20th of Morningstar. In the eyes of the Law of Daggerfall, you are undependable. You are healthy. Hello everyone and welcome to the Good Grief Podcast, an eclectic walking tour of the Elder Scrolls to Daggerfall. It is about the journey, not the destination, uh, and we are your faithful tour guides. I am Daisy. And I'm Jude. And uh, where we last left off, we were nearly to our secondary uh, stop off for our, other, for our for the main quest, but this game is so not about the main quest. Um, mm. <laughs> so uh, we really literally just need to talk to someone in a bar and then be on our way. So yeah, and that's how are we doing this morning? Uh, sleepy, big sleepy, big big sleepy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I have I have coffee though, so that's helpful. That's what you're drinking this morning. That is what I'm drinking this morning. I well coffee. Yes, coffee. I did find some very furry sour cream in my fridge so i'm still traumatized from that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did it say the word yif hey i still shut, don't know i, I still don't up. know what that means yes i do but uh. yeah you do <laughs> shut up um yeah that no i don't i don't like dealing with moldy food yeah me it freaks me out well Every time I meet a person who likes blue cheese, I'm like, what's wrong with you? That's a different kind of thing, though, because that's like... Different, you know, but also the same. But it's it's bacteria for flavor, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's, okay. fla- it's the flavor spores. Um, and, like, all cheese is just flavor spores in milk. Yeah, and that's the science of it. Hi, I'm... Hi, hi I'm Jude, and I'm your... Local, today. local bacteria scientist. Local bacteria boy. Um. <laughs> but no, I'm drinking. Um, I'm I'm going through a number of sugar-free uh, energy drinks to try and find something that is maybe not as bad for me as a full fifty-seven or however <laughs> way too many grams of sugar that my usual energy drinks is. And mm-hmm. right now I'm drinking uh, Monster Ultra Fiesta Mango interesting it does not taste good <laughs> what does it use instead of sugar probably sucralose hang on oh man it's too dark can we light? <laughs> Put a light on it's i have all the lights in my room on why are you streaming in the dark it's be- okay actually i well i have blocked out blocked out windows from uh with um oh. with um you know just like daytime shades daytime curtains you should probably let the daylight in that would probably be good yes that would would interrupt the flow of the stream so okay (laughs) i'm just saying for future reference it's good for your mental health yeah well i don't spend all my time in here just all my time lately because elden ring came out and uh anyway um wow you made it you made it like five minutes in before mentioning it i did i did i mean like it's very topical it wasn't the first thing out of your mouth but no, so so those of you who are listening to the podcast on Spotify and other platforms that we're releasing it weekly on, um, you know that we're like maybe mm, a month be- a month behind on our releases, which is not not behind in like behind our schedule, but just behind in like linear time. So like, mm-hmm. hel- <laughs> well, hello from the past. I hope the future's all right. I'm sure everything's fine. Um, Probably. <sighs> boy, this uh, I really wish this was just some other flavor. Anyway, um, well, you can stop drinking it. No, I can't. I opened it and I paid two dollars and fifty cents for it. <laughs> if you're not having a good time, you can just go home. <laughs> uh, okay, but I think you go first this week. I I do go first this week, and I have I've been I've been getting into crocheting again recently. Uh-huh. Um. And today we're gonna we're gonna just talk a bit about crocheting and and its history and its origins. Oh, and crochet. Stuff. that's that's pretty broad and appe- appeals to a lot of people. Also, there is a centaur attacking me, but apparently I use my centaur speaking abilities oh. to pacify it before I realized it was hit, it was trying to attack me. Oh. So you know, yay for pacifism. Anyway, <laughs> continue. Do you have cr- cr- centaur crochet. speaking abilities? Uh, let's take a look. Actually, um, it's under my miscellany category. 
Centaurian, 4%. So very, very surprising that I managed to do that. I wonder how long he was following me for. Anyway, <clears throat> sorry, go on. Okay. Well, uh, what do you know? What do you know about crochet and like yarn things? I know, know that it is. I know that it is distinct from knitting, and that knitting uses two needles to get the cloth to weave a certain the, the cloth, the yarn, the yarn to weave a certain way. And mm-hmm. a crochet needle uses a single hook, which it uses to pull through loops and yes. stuff like that. That yeah. is the only difference I know. Cool. Um, do you, to your knowledge, own any like crocheted items? Yes. Yes, I do. I have a, a headband and a, a little a little bracelet that I know are crocheted. Ah, oh, nice. Okay, yeah. So, um, crocheting is, you're, you're correct, it's done with a singular hook. The word actually comes from, alleged, like, the old French word, uh, crochet, meaning small hook, which I li- it's just, it's, this, it's a Crazy. French word. It's it's a French word, but, you know, with Mm -hmm. with the English accent versus the French accent. Crotchet. Crotchet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But clush means, like, uh, hook. Mm. And there's also a Germanic word, croc, that also means hook. Um, Mm. The French word crochetage means a single stitch used to join separate bits of lace together. Um, I wonder if the Germanic uh, croc is where we get the word, like, crook? Like, what, like... I think so. Mm. Um, because, yeah, it, it seems it seems like that, like, root um, is, is can be seen in, like, a lot of kind of different things. So in, like, the crochet hook and the, sh- like, shepherd's hooks and crooks and whatever. Um... So the the word crochet describes both the the hook and the craft itself. Um, so I I looked at a couple different articles on online for information. One from crochetpenguin.com and one from the Crochet Guild of America. Um, and they they both kind of cite similar origins to the to the craft. So evidence shows the the starting point for crochet was the mid 1800s. Um, in terms of needle crafting and like uh, textile making, it is one of the newer like forms of cre- creating textiles um, because knitting and uh, weaving and la- even lace making all have kind of older origins that can be be traced back much much far like hundreds and hundreds of years ago Mm -hmm. um so like as as early as the 16th uh late 16th and early 17th century crocheted braiding was used like as a technique in in clothing and other products but it wasn't like used to make fabric it was more just for embellishments or for um like connecting pieces of fabric together in the early 1700s uh this craft called tambouring um reached europe after going through india persia north america turkey north africa and other places around the world and around, i'm sorry around, around what time period would this be uh early 1700s okay tambouring you said yeah which I and this this is a whole other thing that I kind of want to like look up, but I didn't get a chance to is whether um, tambouring and the tambourine uh, inch like instrument are the same thing because it's it seems like uh, tambouring was a a way of almost like weaving um, weaving patches together, but using uh, like a a loop with a piece of fabric stretched over it um so it and obviously like a tambourine is an instrument that's like a a wooden hoop with like some kind of animal skin and some form of like jingling along the side Mm -hmm. um i just think that's kind of (laughs) neat um i just i just I i recognize that word I just think that it's neat. Um, 
And then people removed the background fabric in France and called it uh, crochet in the air because you were just kind of using the fabric in your hand instead of a, a loop or another, like, a, a back a backing piece. Um, in the early 1800s, a technique called shepherd's knitting came about um, along with the shepherd's hook, which is like, it's... It's similar to a typical crochet, like a modern crochet hook, um, but it's a bit bigger and a bit thicker. And it wasn't really, it wasn't using like the same crochet stitches that we see today. Um, and then in the mid 1800s, that's when um, like the terminology started to be used a bit more widely. Um, slip stitch crochet uh, and like, the single and double chains, which are, are kind of the most common um, crochet stitches. They just became more widely used and had like terms applied to them. Um, the earliest known published crochet pattern was in a Dutch magazine called Penelope in 1823, which listed instructions and systems uh, for making five types of purses, which is cool. You never know when you need a variety of different styles of purse. Yeah. So yeah, people people kind of trace the the origins back to tambouring and then also a unique form of Chinese embroidery that I th I think those two are connected and like the the styles kind of evolved throughout Asia and Europe um, in like seventeen and eighteen hundreds, and then we had that uh, published article in that magazine. Um, a French crocheter born in 1829 named Mademoiselle Riego de la Branchardière, Branchardière uh, wrote the first crochet pattern. Um, she also wrote and published crochet and knitting books. Um, and she's actually attributed uh, with the invention of Irish crochet, um, which became a very prevalent method of, like, a, it's, it's a slightly more specific style um so this french lady invented irish crochet yes <laughs> hmm pretty i'm starting well, to think i'm starting to think that these names are not entirely accurate <laughs> well here here is why it's called irish crochet though um i so are you are you familiar with the irish famine uh yes just yeah not like intimately. I wasn't there, but you know. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I gathered as much. Um, so because of the poverty and um, people dying, uh, women and girls were like people were looking for different kind of ways to make money, and one of the ways that you know you could easily like kind of work from home in between your other um, chores and stuff was doing handcrafts and um, like knitting and crocheting and and those kind of like needlepoint things were just like easy and like small enough ways to uh, create things that could be sold um, so a lot of people like this this was around the same time that like lace was being used a lot in in high fashion and lace making is a uh, like you can you can crochet lace, um, but there are like a lot of different techniques for lace making that can be like way more time consuming and um, can also just like like that's that's why it's so expensive. Um, but so something like sixteen thousand women and girls were crocheting, um, like doing Irish crocheting to make lace which was meant to be a, a slightly cheaper and more accessible kind of lace that like high high-end uh fashion people could could use but it was um kind of from this like slightly more lowly origin because it was poor people poor people making it in in the candlelight um but yeah, so but this one but this one French lady invented it, but it got popular in poor put in poor Ireland. 
Pretty much. Like, she... Hmm. Well, because she wrote... She wrote out a lot of the um, patterns that were kind of used to teach people the skill. Um, And then Irish crochet developed further because it was, like, specifically used for making lace. And the... um, They would basically... They would make separate lace motifs, like, different kind of panels to the design... And then once finished, they would be assembled on a cloth and basted together and then um, joined together with other like crocheted stitches. So it's a it's still a very like time consuming process. And it's done like with very, very fine um, linen thread. I I remember going to yarn shops and seeing this very, very small um yarn or thread or whatnot base almost thread it looks like that's used for lace stuff like that and i'm yep. like it's bonkers it's it's like what can, you gotta have to have the tiniest little hands yeah <laughs> very tiny hands and very tiny hooks and some people like when you watch them they go so fast like it's it's insane um apparently d- during the the irish famine uh lady arabella denny an irish aristocrat promoted Irish lace with her extensive connections. Thanks to her and other upper-class Irish citizens, Irish lace made sales abroad. Um, Queen Victoria also um, promoted, like, Irish crochet um, over just, like, fancier lace because a lot of of aristocrats kind of viewed it as being below them. Uh, but Queen Victoria was very public about buying Irish crochet lace from the women in Ireland uh, who were trying to make money. And she l- learned crocheting herself and made eight crocheted scarves, which were then given to veterans of the South African War. Hmm. So so when you said that the uh, Lady Denny like used her connections to get it more popular, one could say that she really had her hooks in them. <sighs> All right. You could say that. <laughs> you can, you sure can say mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. with your with your words. And I did. It's uh, it's there. You can, you can play that. There it is. We can play it back or I can edit it out. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the the early the early origins of that. And then throughout the the mid 1800s there were um kind of different treatment processes done to uh, yarns to make them easier to easier to craft with, um, specifically uh, mercurization, which I don't know exactly oh. what it does, but it was a process added to cotton manufacturing to strengthen it and make it more durable, uh, which also means it was easier to crochet with and it helped cotton just become more widely used in the in the crochet lexicon i guess and apparently mercury was involved well it's i it's not spelt like that okay i'm gonna look it up because <laughs> mercurization of cotton Ooh, textile technology uh, a chemical treatment applied to cotton fibers or fabrics to permanently impart a greater affinity for dyes and various chemical finishes uh maybe it's pronounced mercerizing what what is, it, what is the chemical used? Well, that's yeah, I'm looking. Uh, the treatment consists of immersing the yarn or fiber in a solution of sodium hydroxide for short periods of time, usually less than four minutes. Okay, so not mercury. Weird. No, it's a using caustic sodas. Mm. That's kind of fun. So like Dr. Oh, Pepper. it's called okay. So it is like it's <laughs> no, it's mer- mercerization because it was discovered uh, by John Mercer. Uh, ah, so I just I don't know how to say things with my words. So it's so it's the cowboy from Overwatch. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe he invented yarn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. So I need fan art of. Um, Cole Cassidy, as he's called now, I need I need art of him crocheting now. That would be very cute, actually. So then, throughout the eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, um, 
crocheting just kind of it, it kept being used for m mostly for like smi small detail work like the the lace making was kind of the most common usage apparently during the world wars governments encouraged women to contribute to the war effort by crocheting items for the troops i think that goes for like many things though i think they they were just like make stuff for our boys out on the front lines and women were mm -hmm. like can we have jobs please can we, um, have jobs? can we have jobs please can we have income can we have can we uh, can we eat things that would be great um and then into the 1960s and 1970s uh crochet became more uh just more fashionable because of kind of there there was like i would i would kind of attribute this to um like feminist movements as well like in the 40s and 50s and 60s there was kind of a there was a push away from um women being expected to stay at home and be stay at home mothers um there was i don't know if you, i don't you probably haven't read the feminine mystique but it's a good it's a good kind of starting point for looking at um waves of of feminism and kind of the move movement away from uh expectations of women in in the household um and then in the 60s and 70s there was a little bit of a like kind of call back to handcrafting and and that kind of thing in terms of like repurposing materials and um making making your own your own stuff over um purchasing it and and that kind of thing so that that's kind of been the the concurrent theme uh as as we've kind of moved into the present day is like crocheting and knitting are, are kind of kept alive because of these um you know not so much for for necessity people aren't really like people nowadays who do crocheting as as a hobby aren't really doing it for um necessity or like to to make stuff to sell um very often they're they're making pieces to wear because it's very very time consuming and um it's it's also not it's not the most like of of all the kind of like yarn crafts it's not super efficient in terms of how much yarn you use you use quite a bit of like yarn or thread to produce a fabric so it it takes it takes a fair amount of time and it creates like you can make very solid or very like detailed and intricate pieces but um you use a lot of yarn doing it so it crocheting is like for a lot of people it's more of a passion project than like you know if you wanted to make fabric and make fabric quickly and use it and sell it for stuff you would probably knit or you would invest in like a knitting machine um, yeah like a, a crochet sweater is like You'd let, you accept it and you thank them no matter how ugly it is because they worked really hard on it. Yeah, they worked really hard on it. And here, so this is one of, one of the other things that is why I wanted to talk about this today because there is kind of discourse within the fashion community, well, the, you know, the fashion community of people who wear clothes. Um, just in turn, so I, as a, as a fat person and as a drag queen, um, I, I do buy a lot of my wardrobe from, like, fast fashion retailers because very often skinny people buy all the cool stuff in thrift stores and then I'm just like, well, I'm poor and fat and I can't wear anything. Um, so fast fashion online is kind of the way to go. Um, re in, in recent years, we've seen um, more and more, like, crocheted pieces in fast fashion markets so like at walmart or target or on sheen and this makes people raise eyebrows because there's not a way to there there's no such thing as a crochet machine um the stitching is like it's it's too complicated um for a machine to replicate and like that's not to say that it'll never happen but it hasn't happened it hasn't been invented yet 
Um, there are some machines that kind of come close. Like, knitting machines are very widely used and, like, um, pretty, like, fairly easy to actually get. Like, they're expensive, but, like, you can buy a knitting machine for your home. Um, and then the, the closest thing that can replicate crochet stitches is, uh, called a warp knitting machine that uses, it uses a, a metal hook to pull the fabric, like, the, the thread through hoops, but it's, they're not technically crochet stitches. So if you see an item of clothing for sale that is crocheted, and very often, like, pe people who know crochet, like, they can look at something and be like, oh yeah, that's, like, the stitches are very distinct in the way that they look and feel. Um, any piece of clothing that you see that is crocheted was crocheted by hand. Which, when you see that it's being sold for $22, and it's like a sweater, and you're like, wow, this is a hand-crocheted sweater. Hmm. And it's being sold for $22 at the Walmart. How, how much do you think the person who made that was paid? Not very much. Not very much, and not enough. Um... <laughs> So, so yeah, so that's, that's just kind of, that's what I've been thinking about. I, so far, I personally have crocheted a dress, a sweater vest, several balaclavas, and I'm working on some leg warmers right now. Mm. And All right. I keep buying yarn and it's... So it's as a person something. with early onset Alzheimer's, how is that, not Alzheimer's, <laughs> arth <laughs> arthritis. <laughs> 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 That'd be something else. <laughs> so as a person with early onset arthritis, how is crocheting for you? Like... Uh, it's, well, it's it's not great, actually. It's, um, it, it get, hurts. You're getting it in while you can? Yeah. I don't, well, because I, I like doing it, and I like doing something with my hands, but it does, it does kind of hurt my, my fingers a bit. What I what I like about it though is I I like to crochet with very thick yarn because um, it's it's quite a bit faster. So I'm not doing a lot of like really small intricate detail work, um, but I'm it's still like pretty constant motion and and maneuvering um, and that kind of thing. So it's I don't know it's uh it's something. It's, <laughs> Probably in five years, I'll look back and I'll be like, why did I do that? <laughs> I mean, does it, I mean, I don't know a lot about how arthritis works. Does doing things with your hands, like, make it worse in the long run? Or is it just a painful thing in the, in the short term? It, I mean, like any, I think any kind of wear is, like, contributes to the, the overall pain. I don't know. I don't know a whole lot of details about, like, the... I don't know. All, all I really know is like, ow, my hands hurt. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of it has to do with um, like wearing down the the cartilage and like kind of the 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 nerves around joints becoming inflamed. So doing doing repetitive things with with your hand or with like different parts of your body that that does. It does make it worse. So that's why, like, um, carpal tunnel, like, people who, who crochet and knit and also people who work at desks and, you know, are working constantly on keyboards, that's why carpal tunnel and eventually arthritis can be very, um, pr like, prominent things. Um, arthritis usually has a hereditary component, um, but I, I do know that I, I have those genes. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yep all right well i'm sorry to hear that i hope that everything continues to go smoothly and that you that like you have a good long knitting not knitting crocheting a future ahead of you i i hope so and i also i find crocheting easier on my hands than knitting frankly um because i can kind of just use my dominant hand whereas knitting does kind of require you to use both a bit more i don't know so it's a pers it's a personal preference, and also I just I find it's a little bit simpler. Um, knitting 
gets knitting can get so complicated and then you're like adding in other needles and cabling and there's all kinds of stuff and i'm like oh god but yeah that's uh, a brief history of crocheting a brief history of crochet also don't buy crocheted garments from fast fashion retailers if you can get it for less than fifty dollars you shouldn't buy it yeah yeah <laughs> like literally but like buy buy stuff that's machine knit or you know invest in buying crochet work from someone who is like being paid a fair a fair wage um there's uh there's a couple of like there's this one tiktoker that i found who's actually done some really good uh like work about about fast fashion um of course now i can't remember who that was but she's like she's a a clothing she owns a clothing store and has worked in like fashion for 20 something years and people will like send her links to shops or items and be like hey is this like ethically made and she'll like go through the website and be like well you know these are their own items or you know this person is just like drop shipping fast fashion and like oh wow this you know this item should be sold for way more that kind of thing um i'll put that in the episode description if i find it (laughs) Yes, or well, we're going to take a short break in a yes. little bit, so you can look it up and inform us after the break. But, actually, uh, now for the uh, degrees of separation from Todd Howard. Oh. I, I, it appears that there are two references to crocheting in the entirety of the Elder Scrolls. Mm. Um, one is an emote that you can do in the Elder Scrolls Online, where you sit down and crochet. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. It uh, doesn't produce anything. It's literally just an animation for your character. Cute. <laughs> uh, and the other one is there's a there's an assassin who refers to stabbing a unicorn in the throat with a crochet needle. I'm pretty sure that means that the like the needles are not used in crochet, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, no, it's a it's a hook. It's a hook. Okay, which tells me that this character was written by a person who doesn't crochet. <laughs> I mean, probably, but that's fine. It's like, it could say knitting needle or crochet hook, but he said crochet needle. He said crochet needle. I mean, I guess, like, if, here's the thing. It's pretty close, but, like. It's pretty close, and, like, if it's a, it's one, if it's one of the small ones, it's probably sharp enough that it would, like, it would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. (laughs) Crocheting exists in Elder Scrolls. Maybe? Does that mean that the, like, the Irish famine exists in the elder school i don't i mean you said crochet exists, existed for a while before irish, the irish yeah that's just kind of what popularized it into like being called crochet mm-hmm. okay so we have we've met our contact she mm-hmm. has told us the stuff that we need to know that i don't care about and don't need to read through basically well i do care about it a little bit basically do, doing this has allowed us to eventually one day maybe com- complete the main quest mm-hmm uh, we're now in an inn, so we're gonna have a little not. We're gonna have a not der nap. We're gonna have a bed nap, actually. <gasps> Yay! So let's have a little nap, and then we'll hear a word from our sponsors, which we maybe we'll have one day. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, and we're back. Look. Is Jude back? Okay, I, still yes. here. I am here. I haven't been able to find that person. So we took we took a dirt nap. We took a bed nap. I know, but I want, I like calling it a dirt nap. It's not a dirt nap. Let's send the dirt. Yeah. All right. <laughs> More often it will be a dirt nap because we don't always line up our our breaks with when I'm in a town and ha- can sleep in an inn. So all right, but so now we are on our way. Now I need to find out how to get back to our main the main quest we were doing. Which is a black fort. We're going to black fort, so we need to find black fort. Ah, it's all the way up there. Do not wish to tra- fast travel. I wish to normal travel because you know I know no other way. So okay, so right. we learned about we had a brief history of the art of crocheting. Mm-hmm. The art slash craft. Um, and then so for my topic, I have something that uh, should be near and dear to many people who grew up during the early aughts. 
um, the ology book series, <gasps> most commonly, uh, m- most uh, popularly, the Dragonology book and yeah. spinoff books. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone who grew up uh, in the well, the first book came out in two thousand four, I believe. Two thousand three. First book came out in two thousand three, and so anyone who's uh, what this was is a book series that was presented as nonfiction in such a way that made every person every child that i knew who read it question for a moment like is this real (laughs) (laughs) just for a moment and then they go wait this can't be real (laughs) i bought this up my mom found this at walmart anyway i uh, (laughs) i got them at the scholastic book fair which i guess you you didn't have that because you were homeschooled no, but we did get the catalogs. Uh, we got like we, my mom. My mom for a while got the the catalogs that the teachers would get. Nice to, to order the books for the book fair. Nice, and so we just ordered, you know, one by one. Anyway, so it's a each book is given is a like a fi, given a fictional author, quote unquote, and it it appears to be like a lost journal on the on the subject matter. Um, the ones that we had that my family had growing up was dragonology and wizardology, which is fun and hilarious when you consider the fact that we weren't allowed to watch or read Harry Potter because of <laughs> wizards. <laughs> um, so it was, par- it was that kind my, of household. My parents, my parents softened in their older age, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still, even even when I was in high school and my younger siblings were cons- were curious about Harry Potter, they were still like no about it because they read a post about it somewhere on the internet in the early two thousands, which you know means it's true. Uh, yeah, so... Famously, the internet, which doesn't have any wizards or bad people. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Okay, but no. Uh, basically, they would have it. Would, it's presented as like a nonfiction journal, and there's like. Little pop, like, like there's like pop outs and 3D elements to many of the of the pages. I remember a few pages had like here's some of the dragon scales and it was some like weirdly textured plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, it was quite and it had really nice art and it was very fascinating for a young fan a young child who loved fantasy. Um, and there's a few spin-off books like there's like a like the dragonology handbook a practical course in dragons which is like a smaller thing that's like here's what you should do if you find this kind of dragon in the field etc cetera, etc cetera. and so like mm-hmm. it sort of it fuels the childhood let's go play pretend dragons outside you know <laughs> you you don't even understand how into these books i was okay. um yeah I want you to to try like they the most recent book was published in 2020 out of this ology series because there wasn't just dragonology there was a number of other ologies there was also <laughs> Egyptology which yes feels... Egy- Egyptology was the second one that's an actual word even so yeah I don't know how like respectful or accurate it was it was 2004 five 2004 2004 mm-hmm. probably not very um. But uh, uh, but I don't think we ever had Egyptology. That was like that was a thing that I don't think interested me near so much as you didn't have that hyperfixation. No, not really. Uh, but no, I also had Wizardology, which had like a little not really tarot deck, tarot deck, mm-hmm. which I felt which introduced me to the concept of divination via cards. And parents, my parents were just like eh about it, which I'm like. In hindsight, I'm like, what were you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> Your priest would be casting holy water at you. Anyway. Um, but no, there are two date. There are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, fifteen. There are fifteen ology books. I'm going to go through them all uh, from beginning to end. Some of them are, sound quite stupid. Because Amazing. <laughs> I will say. I can't okay, we, have drag- we have dragonology. First one. In top tier. S tier. Yes, top tier. Egyptology. Actual word. 2004. Wizardology, the Book of the Secrets of Merlin, 2005. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a pirate, Piratology, a Pirate Hunter's Companion, what? 2006. So is, okay, in the fiction of that, are you then a cop? Like a sea cop? Uh, I think so. I think you are a sea cop. Hmm. The remains of what the fictional privateer William Lubber left behind. Tells the case of, tells of the chase of Arabella Drummond, the notorious woman pirate across the seven seas so a privateer which is a sanctioned pirate mm. <laughs> so a cop yeah um a water cop if you will and then uh mythology also an actual word yeah greek gods heroes and monsters it's like all right cool so just 
It's just a book talking about minotaurs and the medusas and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> medusas. You know, okay. the medusas. Um, that's what they're called. Monsterology. Eh, eh, the complete book of fabulous beasts. It's like, okay, so you could just do do whatever with that. That's just mythology, but not Greek, I guess. Yeah. Um, spyology. So the that's, complete book mm, of spygraft. So that's not a word. That's, yeah, espionage. We have that already. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't say ology, so, you know. Uh, oceanology. Eh, close. The true account of the voyage of the Nautilus. So that's sort of focusing on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea stuff. Mm. Uh, um, vampirology. The true history of the Fallen Ones in 2010. Mm. Uh, alienology. The complete book of extraterrestrials. Complete? Really? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know the entire universe, do you? <laughs> I guess. Illusionology, which kind of like over like wizardology, I feel like already has like illusion stuff going on in it. I don't know that. No, well, wizardology was more about like you know the ancient scrolls and like histories of wizards and magic, whereas illusionology oh. would be like magic tricks and like oh, magician oh, so, so, probably oh so like okay i got you so like stage magicians okay yeah, maybe. i think the, the, well i would assume it's so. a red link so i can't tell you oh. um <laughs> uh this one annoys me the most dinosaurology we have a word that ends with ology for that exact thing already <laughs> i mean we have anyway. a cup like paleontology yeah, exactly. Um, and then I we guess... have Dungeonology in 2016, which was made in collaboration with Dungeons and Dragons. Shocking. Uh-huh. Uh, we have Nightology That's... Okay. in 2017, a true account of the most valiant knights. Oh, is it and... true? Is it a yeah. true account? Uh-huh. None of these are true. Yeah. Just so we're, <laughs> just so, just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Um, and Ghostology, a true revelation of spirits, ghouls, and hauntings. And that was released in 2020. I wonder what the hell. I wonder how they look actually nowadays. I t- if you start off with dragons, you can only go down from there. I suppose, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. unless there's some bad dragons. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. so okay, I want to tell you like so the the Wikipedia hyperlinks on each one of these um, each one of these books. Uh, Dragonology, the first four, Dragonology, Egyptology, Wizardology, and Pyridology all link to their own unique Wikipedia pages talking about those books. Oh, also Vampirology does, which is, I think, the ninth book in the series. Mm-hmm. The rest of the book, the rest of the links link back to the same page that you click on the link from, which is the Ology book series Wikipedia page. Illusionology, Dungeonology, and Nightology are red links, and, um... If you click on dinosaurology, it links to paleontology on Wikipedia. And if you click on ghostology, it just links to ghosts. <laughs> cool. Um, so, yeah. I don't know why you're going to make a blue hyperlink when it literally just links to the same page that I think is the only place that ha- has the link. Anyway. Um, okay. And then uh, as for, like, uh, adaptations into other media, we have... In video games, in October 2007, Codemasters announced a licensing agreement to create video games for the Wii and Nintendo DS based on Dragonology, Wizardology, and Pyridology. Knickknack was de- was to develop the Wii titles. Mm. That's the end of the section. <laughs> I, yeah, so that, <laughs> that didn't did not happen, happen. <laughs> I'm guessing. And then, uh, as for film adaptations, um, in 2008, Universal acquired the rights, and then in August 2012, it was reported that uh, Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orci would produce the film for Universal. Um, and then mm, two months later, it was reported that Carlos Saldana was developing a film f- based on the Alienology book for 20th Century Fox. And in 2018, Paramount announced they were in the process of developing a film franchise centered around all of the books at that point. Uh, mm. setting up writer's room consisting of Jeff Pinkner, Michael Shaban, Lindsay Beer, Joe Robert Cole, Nicole Perriman, and Christina Hodson. Uh, 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 they also announced that Akiva Goldsman will act as overseer and producer of the fan- franchise. And that's that. Like, none of those things have come to fruition yet. <laughs> yeah. The ology cinematic universe. Yeah. I don't... I don't know that there's much of a demand for that. I think they work pretty damn good as books, and they don't really have like 
like they have plots air quotes that you can kind of suss out through reading the journals but they're 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 kind of presented in an encyclopedic fashion where you can just look at there's like different sections on different types of the, the thing that they're talking about and there's like little notes scribbled in the corners and stuff like that about like what the plot may be going on of like the person writing the journal i mean dragonology was unique though because it had like an expanded universe of books. yeah it had like three or four spin-off books yeah, because it had there were novels that took place like in in universe, and then there were like side um, companion mm-hmm. like field guides and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, Dugald Steer, the writer, the actual writer, also wrote a series of children's books called the Dragonology Chronicles, based on the lore created again. Yeah. The Dragon's Eye, published in 2006, Dragon's Diary in 2008, The Dragon's Apprentice in 2011, and The Dragon Prophecy, published in 2012. I didn't know about these. I think I was out. I think I was out by the pint by that. I wasn't out by that time in 2006. I guess I just never got it. Never knew about it. I definitely read the first two books, and they were fun. I don't know. I thought they were fun. I feel like I still have Dragonology at my parents' house. I certainly, I remember it came with a, um, it came with like a, a library card thing that was yes. like, you know, and you, like, your... and you put your own photo on it. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I still have that. I put it in my scrapbook. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I did do that. Yeah, but I'm guessing it's still back at my, uh, my family's house in Tennessee. But anyway, so yeah, um, it was it's a it was a fun little adventure and romp, and apparently it, the books make you gay or something. I don't know. They they almost certainly do. I think that, I think more likely it's just it's just that kids who like fantasy tend to not be t- tend to like escapism from the real world because the real world is not quite so nice to us gays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the Elder Scrolls, there are dragons. And that, easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> easy, why is easy. the sky red? Oh, it's uh, evening now. Wait, no, it's morning now, actually. What time is it? It is 6 in the morning. And everyone knows at 6.01, the sun slightly starts to peak up, and it makes the entire sky red. What is it? Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds sounds right. right. I think it was a midnight mass. I think it, it has been a saying before midnight mass. I said I think it was in Midnight Mass. Did I say I think it originated from Midnight Mass? Okay. Are you putting words in my mouth? Yeah, I am. Fake news. Jude. <laughs> Jude is fake news. <laughs> Jude is fake news. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think that's going to be it, basically. Yeah. Um, well, actually, no. Do you remember any of the names of the dragons? Uh... Because aside from, like european dragon you know <laughs> yeah they they had like there was they had like there was european dragon they had like asian dragons but there was also like they talked a bit about wyverns and <sighs> this this book series taught me the word vestigial <laughs> nice. because there was a there's i think there was i think it was the knucker Oh yeah, the, nuc- the Nucker or the Lindworm, one or the other, or like a, a slithery kind of dragon that has really tiny wings that can, do not make it fly at all. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, the eastern, the eastern dragon, the Dra- Draco Orientalis, or the Asian Lung, which I believe nice. Lung just means dragon. Um, they don't have wings, but they can fly, so they're like ah. <laughs> frost dragons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had an imaginary dragon friend. Oh, what was their name? Nina. Nina? She, what were they? Uh, she was a gold European dragon. Mm-hmm. I, listen, I had a very expe- I, so I didn't have a lot of friends in middle school, in elementary school. Shocking. Um, but during recess, I would, um, play by myself with my imaginary dragon that was about horse sized um and then maybe sometimes in that fiction i also had dragon wings maybe sometimes who knows maybe (laughs) sometimes and i went on a potion that gave you dragon wings and i went on fun little i mean it was more of a like i was a mutant and i was like shunned by society Uh, and i had dragon wings and i had a cool dragon i wonder what that was an allegory for and then everyone Everyone in Harry Potter wanted to be my friend and date me. And 
Def, def, definitely a a straight and normal child. Definitely, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was also like a very expansive B plot of you know Nina having a baby, and I had to help her raise a baby dragon, um, and there was no father. <laughs> there was no father, so you had Jesus baby dragon. Yeah, and the baby's <laughs> name was Luna, because I was creative. Uh, anyways. 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 <laughs> was it what color was the baby? Was it silver? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Luna was like silver and like black. Lovely. Shocking. Like the moon. Anyway, um, but that I think that'll do us for today. The sun is rising uh, as the sky is becoming less red and more just like brown, the which is you know the sun is rising in the sky. Tell Teletubbies say goodbye. I will end you. <laughs> but anyway. Um, if you want to watch the stream live, uh, you can catch us at my Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash lackadaisikill at 9am generally on Thursdays. Um, you can follow us and leave reviews on your platform of choice. As long as if you're listening to it and they allow you to comment, please do. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can follow Jude's Twitter and not Twitter, Jude's TikTok at miss at, uh, at miss gender. You can follow his Instagram at, at misgender underscore WPG. Yeah. He does drag and also knits balaclavas and also whatever else it pops whatever, into his dimension. Whatever mind. else I do. Yeah. You, got, you don't post an awful lot about like awful horror movies like you talk about on this um, on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I have I don't mean awful as in poor filmmaking. I mean awful as they make you feel bad. I mean, like in October, I did that series of spooky faces um that's true that's true i just i haven't i haven't been doing a lot of drag october unlocks something in jude and it, ma it makes him become crazy it makes me um, very powerful actually mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yes thank you all for watching or for listening i hope that you have a good rest of your day and i hope you have safe travels may the road always rise up to meet you yeah bye bye <laughs>